The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Too often we rely solely or primarily on conventional medicine to treat symptoms and disease. But these can mask the problems, so we never get to the root cause of the disease. There are better choices. Welcome to Generation Regeneration with your host, Sandra Guy Malhotra. Conventional medicine does play an important role in effective treatment, but even more important are the daily lifestyle, food, and spiritual choices we make. Now, here is Sandra Guy Malhotra. Welcome, everyone, to Generation Regeneration. I'm Sandra Malhopra, Hotra, your host and founder of health and wellness company, W-Cubed. Thank you for joining me, whether it's live or on demand. Our goal with the show is to provide information and support for those who want to take ownership of their health and engage in a lifestyle that regenerates their body, mind, and spirit. And one topic that we frequently discuss on Gen R Radio is the importance of nourishing whole food on our health. Ideally, whole foods would be accessible to all, and the presence of all ingredients in prepared foods, including genetically modified ones, would be clearly labeled so that we could make good choices. Unfortunately, neither is the case in the U.S., so we're left on our own very often to judge junk foods in the grocery store, many of which are misleadingly labeled. If you've heard of the all-natural label, yeah, that actually doesn't really mean anything. There's really no requirement for something to be called all-natural, so that's a misleading one. It's safe to say that our food system has been hijacked by the corporations that profit off of shelf-stable, highly processed junk food, and the resulting disease. But here's the good news. The tide appears to be turning as more people become aware of their choices. And our guest today is Danielle Nirenberg, a crusader, expert on sustainable agriculture, and president of 501c3 nonprofit Food Tank. Danielle has an MS in Agriculture, Food, and Environment from the Tufts University Friedman School of Nutrition Science and Policy, and has written extensively on gender and population, the spread of factory farming in the developing world, and innovations in sustainable agriculture. Danielle co-founded Food Tank in 2013 as an organization focused on building a global community of safe, healthy, nourished eaters. And prior to starting Food Tank, Danielle spent two years traveling to more than 35 countries, documenting what's working to help alleviate hunger and poverty while also protecting the environment. Her knowledge of global agricultural issues has been cited widely, and she's built a worldwide social media and web following of more than 500,000. And you could learn more at www.foodtank.com. Welcome to the show, Danielle. It's so great to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Now, let's jump in by talking a bit about Food Tank's mission, I've heard you say that you see yourself as a pollinator, spreading stories about alleviating hunger and poverty while protecting the environment. Can you elaborate what you mean by that? Sure. I mean, one of the things that uh, we wanted to do when Food Tank began is not be like a lot of other nonprofits in the food and agriculture space. Um, You know, a lot of these groups are small and doing great work, uh, but they're not working with one another. And so we really feel that it's our mission to cultivate a better food system by engaging individuals and organizations and original research and content to push for food system change. And we we really see ourselves as a platform for the good food movement and as a, a place where we can highlight all of the great work that's being done on the ground. And so I, I think, you know, as uh, unlike other organizations, we're, we're trying to really amplify the great work that's being done instead of sort of owning it ourselves. Um, that's not to say that we don't produce original research. We're, you know, posting news stories that are original on our our website, you know, two or three times a day, seven days a week. We're putting out reports that are uh, based on research that we're doing by talking about the groups uh, who are who are doing um, work on different issues, whether it's food waste or true cost accounting in the food system. 
And we really see ourselves as conveners, uh, putting together events that bring different voices together in dynamic and engaging ways. That's right. And we're going to talk towards the end of the show about the summits that you have planned for the near future. So we will get into that. And I will also say, as someone who's on your newsletter distribution list, you provide wonderful information on at least a weekly basis uh, about what's going on in the food movement, who is doing what, who's making a difference. It's really a lot of wonderful information. We try. Thank you very much for that, though. We really try to, you know, give people a, a good sense of what's going on, not just domestically, but also internationally. That's right. That's right. You feature a lot of groups who are doing work internationally as well. Now, regarding sustainability, that's a word that we hear a lot, and you are passionate about sustainability. And I'm curious as to how you would define that. I mean, there are so many ways to define sustainability, and it's become one of those words that kind of just means nothing anymore. And I think sustainability is what happens when people are getting the tools that they need to feed their families in environmentally responsible ways um, where they can earn a living. Sustainability is what happens when um, ideas and innovations are shared between farmers, uh, between researchers, between businesses. Sustainability is, is really what happens when you have people engaging in dialogue on these issues and finding the things that work best for their, their communities and their families in, in regard to, to eating better or producing food in different ways. So, you know, for me, those are really better definitions of sustainability than the ones we usually hear. That's great. I like that a lot. And you also highlight a lot of solutions to the issues in our food system. And today we're going to focus on a couple of them that Food Tank is concerned with, one being family farms, another being elevating the role of women farmers, and the third being reducing food waste. So we're going to cover all of those today. And let's get started with family farms. Why would you say family farms are important to our food supply and our communities? I mean, there are so many reasons that family farmers are important. You know, there are at least 500 million family farms uh, across the globe. And these range in size from the very small, you know, under five hectares to, to very large farms, as we've seen in the United States. But, you know, these, uh, why I, I personally think family farms are important and family farmers are important is because after spending so much time on the ground over the last few years, you know, I've traveled to 60-plus countries in Sub-Saharan Africa, Asia, and Latin America. It's really the, the family farmer who, whether, uh, you know, who is able to, to keep uh, innovations and practices alive that, you know, uh, that are more environmentally sustainable, that are uh, producing nutrient-dense crops that are culturally appropriate. These are the kinds of farms that are, are really making a difference in, in the food system. And, and because there are so many of them, they have a real role to play. Uh, unfortunately, they've been ignored, you know, for, for a long time. And what we've seen in the United States is sort of the the disappearance of the family farmer, as you see, you know, big corporations sort of buying up land, um, while in, in the developing world, family farmers are sort of the backbone of, of economies, and, and yet they're not recognized for, for the work that they're doing. So really shining a spotlight on these family farmers is important. Um, last year, 2014, was designated by the United Nations as the International Year of Family Farming, and Food Tank has worked extensively with the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization to really um, focus on, on uh, the, again, the, the important role that family farmers play. Um, this year, uh, the, the Family Farming Knowledge Platform uh, was released by the, uh, the UN Food and Agriculture Organization. Food Tank is one of the partners uh, on that platform. And, it, you know, the it, it's a website, it's the able to tell the stories of family farmers. It's able to uh, collect data, suggest policies uh, that can really help family farmers uh, gain the recognition that they need and also get the investment and support that they need. So we're very, very proud to be a part of that process and, and, and think it's you know, extremely important to continue uh, highlighting uh, family farmers uh, in the work that we do. Absolutely. Entirely agree. It seems like family farmers perhaps take a longer view 
than a corporate farm would. They seem very concerned with their family, their community, the land, passing on quality land. Um, That's all wonderful stuff. And what would you say are the market forces that are working against family farmers, especially in the United States? You know, there are so many things that are that are you know preventing them from doing their jobs. Well, you know the sort of uh, you know as we talked about before, um, the corporatization of agriculture in the United States. You have you know farming communities again that are disappearing because you know farmers are, are aging in the United States. The average age of farmers is about fifty. 50- 8.3 years old, according to the latest agricultural census, and you don't have a lot of young farmers who are taking over these farms. Um, so you, you see, rep, you know, family farms just disappearing, and and that land being used, you know, for factory farming in some cases, or for monoculture crops of, of corn and soybeans, and those are not, you know, crops that are going to feed people, they're going to fuel cars and feed livestock. So you're seeing a lot of, you know, farming communities in the United States where there's no fresh food. There are food deserts because the farms that still exist are growing, you know, crops that, that aren't fit for human consumption. So so many sort of forces, whether it's agricultural subsidies or loan programs that really favor big farms and push that small farmer out. Um, one of the, the sort of bright spots, however, uh, in the last farm bill, and, and there weren't many bright spots in that farm bill, is um, increased uh funding for fruit and vegetable growers, or at least more than uh, uh, the government has provided in the past. And that could really help, you know, a lot of these farms who, you know, don't want to be part of of these monoculture systems and and growing just corn and soybeans, but who who want to, you know, diversify their cropping systems and grow more fruits and vegetables. It could really help farmers stay on the land and also encourage young farmers to, to be more involved. Um, in farming if they see the opportunity there. Um, you know, we have to remember that farmers, whether they're in the United States or elsewhere in the world, are, are business people. And if they're not making money and if they don't see sort of a future for farming, then they're not going to do it anymore. So we really need to make sure that they get the support that they need. Yeah, those are all great points. And what can we all do to support family farmers? Because collectively, our decisions do matter. So what can we do? Absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about voting with your fork, which is something that I, I believe strongly in, you yes. know, supporting farms uh, in your local communities, going to farmers markets, joining CSAs. Those things are great. And, and again, it's so important to you getting to know where your food comes from and, and supporting local economies. But we also need to vote with our votes. And we need to support legislators, you know, at the at the the city and, and local levels as well as at the national level to, you know, we should vote people into office who care about agriculture and care about, you know, all facets of it, whether it's small, medium, or large-scale farming, and really support those legislators and, and then vote the people out of office who are not supporting agriculture in, in good ways. So, you know, you have to vote with your dollar and you need to vote with your vote. I could not agree with that more. Yes, and there are some things working their way through the legislature right now regarding food, which are quite scary. Uh, one being the Dark Act, which would prevent any labeling of genetically modified foods. So, absolutely, I agree with you. It is important to spend your dollars wisely, but also be aware of what's going on because there are laws which are working their way through the system, which can be very damaging to our choices to be able to be able to choose healthy food. Okay, that's that's really good information about family farmers. Now let's start talking about women farmers, which you gave a great talk about that at the TEDx Manhattan conference earlier in March of this year. And anyone who's interested in that can find it online. So let's talk about them because one point that you made in that talk was that many women farmers are the ones who are growing the food that will feed their families and others and aren't necessarily focused on the cash crops. So this is a very important part of the population. So what percentage of farmers are women around the world? 
So globally, about 43% of, of the agri- agricultural labor force is made up of, of women. And so, you know, we, we tend to think of men doing all the farming in, in fields uh, across the globe. But it's really, you know, it's nearly half of, of, of uh, farmers uh, who, are, who are women and who are working the land. And in some countries, especially in sub-Saharan Africa, women make up to 80% of, of the farming population. And so, you know, they, they face a variety of obstacles, though, that, that prevent them from, from doing their jobs as, as well as they could. Um, because of, of sort of misconceptions about agriculture, uh, women don't often have the access to the same resources as male farmers. They don't, uh, you know, have the same sort of education. Um, extension officers often don't want to talk to women because of sort of cultural um, uh, barriers and practices. Um, they, they often can't get, you know, the same sort of loans or credit that male farmers can. So they're really, you know, um, uh, impeded by these, the, you know, this, Sort of uh, embedded gender inequity in, in many countries, and and this really um, comes at a, a huge expense. And we we really ignore women in the food system at our own peril. Um, the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization estimates that if women had the same access to resources, again, you know, land, credit, financial, and banking services. They could lift as many as 100 to 150 million people out of hunger. So again, if if we're not, you know, making an effort to include women in discussions about food and farming and and policy making, then we're you know we're we're sort of shooting ourselves in the foot because these these women are so important to the food system. And you told some really nice stories during your TEDx Manhattan talk of women farmers who were very entrepreneurial and who managed to increase their family income substantially. So can you can you share such a story with us? Absolutely. One of my favorite stories, you know, I had the opportunity to visit Niger, which is one of the poorest countries in the world. And I met this uh, group of women farmers, about 50 of them, who had started um, a cooperative. Um, and they were using solar drip irrigation uh, to grow uh, a variety of crops, including um uh, trees, uh, as well as, uh, fruits and vegetables. And I had the, uh, the chance to, you know, spend a day with these women and, and learn, you know, how they were, uh, maintaining this farm, you know. But one of the things that I like to do is, is ask people, you know, how, how has becoming part of this cooperative changed your life? What, what's different now than, than before? And these women would tell me, you know, before they started working together, they were each making about a um, dollar per day. Um, so they were well below um, the poverty line. They were, you know, not able to feed their families that well. Um, but since they started working on the farm, these women have increased their incomes about fivefold. Each of them is now making about $1,500 per year, which is a huge increase in, in, in this very poor uh, part of, of Niger. Um, and so you ask them how their lives have changed, and they'll tell you things like, you know, I was able to buy my husband a bicycle so he can get to the the field where he works much easier. I, I wear better clothes now. Um, they would say things to me like, I'm fatter now. And these women were not fat at all. But they were, you know, what they were trying to describe is how much better they were eating. And probably most importantly, you know, they were telling me that they were able to send their children to school for really the first time. And, you know, um, and, and pay for, for books and healthcare and, and all these other things. And I think one of the most important things, and they, they probably, you know, don't, uh, realize this as much as someone, you know, sort of on the outside looking in does, is that they're setting an example for their, their, their families. They're setting an example for their children. Absolutely. How, how to lift yourself up out of poverty in a really, you know, sustainable and, and, and cooperative way. So, you know, especially their girl children and can really see that their mothers are empowered and, and gaining greater respect in their community. So just really an, an important, um, you know, when, when women are, are empowered, they're not only, you know, it's not only themselves who are empowered, they're empowering entire communities. 
That's right. That's right. They're improving the situation for their families, their communities, everything. So thank you for talking to us about the importance of these women farmers around the world and family farmers as well. Uh, This is something that we need to support for the health of our food supply and the health of our communities. So thank you for all that information. And let's now get ready for a break. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm talking to president of nonprofit Food Tank, Daniel Nirenberg. And we just discussed the huge and important role that women and family farmers play on our food supply. And up next, we're going to talk about the hot topic of food waste. It's really quite alarming how much food is wasted in light of the hunger around the world and even here at home in the U.S. So stay close because we're going to discuss what's going on and creative solutions to this issue on the other side. See you soon. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you know about Reiki? This method of healing can complement Western medicine as well as other alternative practices. Besides healing, it can have the additional effect of making you feel more positive about yourself and the world around you. By tuning into For the Love of Reiki with host Paula Vale, you'll find how Reiki can improve your health, bring balance into your life, and fill you with joy. For the Love of Reiki is broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually, as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Our plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. It's here. Announcing the launch of a new health and wellness community called whole-treatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness.
This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. And welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and my guest today is sustainable farming expert and president of nonprofit Food Tank, Danielle Nuremberg. In the previous segments, we discussed the importance of family farms and women farmers on the quality and quantity of our food. And the importance of these groups really can't be uh, talked about enough, really critical to the health of our families, our communities, and our environment. So let's make choices that support both of these groups because collectively, we do wield a lot of power. So now let's move on to the topic of food waste, which is gaining a lot of attention, and rightfully so, because it's heartbreaking to hear that food is being wasted when we have so many people going hungry. So Danielle, can we get started by going over what is meant by food waste? What causes it, and how much food is wasted in the U.S., for example? Well, there, there are two different things. So um, uh, we, we have food loss, which, uh, you know, is what happens before food gets to the grocery store or homes. Um, there are post-harvest losses. You know, farmers, um, particularly in the developing world, don't always have great storage uh, facilities for crops or crops are lost in fields or they can't get their um, crops to market in time because of a lack of basic infrastructure like roads or pests and disease can really um, uh, contaminate a crop. Um, on the other side, you know, and this is something that um, happens more in rich countries is, you know, food waste where food is wasted um, in our homes, at restaurants, at retailers, at, at hospitals and schools and that kind of thing. And so right now in the United States, about 40% of all the food that pr- is produced is wasted. And, and as you mentioned, that's a, they, that's a real moral problem, you know, when you have 54 million Americans who, who are going hungry each day. And, uh, you know, the, the thing about food waste is it's not only sort of this, you know, it makes us all feel bad kind of issue. It's, it is also an environmental problem because, you know, a lot of this food ends up in landfills where it, uh, releases methane. Um, and methane is a very powerful greenhouse gas, which is about 27 times more potent than carbon dioxide. So, you know, we're, when we waste food, we're not only you know, we don't, we're not only facing some moral challenges, but we're also facing some environmental ones. Absolutely. And my understanding is that some of the food waste comes from food with it, which is not attractive enough to be sold in the supermarket. And that's yeah. particularly heartbreaking. I know there's an ugly fruit and veg group uh, on Twitter <laughs> where, sure. you know, they talk about, uh, the importance of buying food, which doesn't look perfect. And there are also other innovative companies that are working on solving the problem of food waste. Can you introduce us to some of those that you're familiar with? Yeah, one one of my favorites is, uh, is called Imperfect Produce. And, and what they're trying to do in California is create a market for those ugly fruits and vegetables that you, you talked about. You know, as American consumers, we're used to everything looking, you know, pristine and beautiful and and as we all know some of the the best tasting foods are also some of the the ugliest if you if you go to a farmer's market and and look at you know some organic apples compared to conventional apples the, the organic apples are usually bumpy and and a little weirdly shaken <laughs> or, or whatever but they taste so good and then yeah. if you eat one of those really pretty conventionally grown apples they often taste like cardboard um and and so you know a lot of um Grocery stores and retailers have, you know, um, uh, specific things that they want produce to look like. You know, carrots have to be straight in a certain length. You know, again, apples have to look very pretty. Tomatoes have to, you know, be uh, perfectly shaped, et cetera, et cetera. But Imperfect Produce, which was started by a young entrepreneur, uh, Ben Simon, he's one of the co-founders, 
is is a way to you know find a market for the the produce that would otherwise you know get thrown away from some of these retail operations and uh, you know when you have uh, these these ugly fruits and vegetables it's kind of a marketing campaign that you have to create you have to create better PR for these for these vegetables because you know we're we're wasting six billion tons of or, I'm sorry six billion pounds of ugly produce in this country every year. So if you can prevent that, that produce from going into landfills, you can make a big difference. And, and again, not just, you know, on, on uh, preventing food from going to waste, but also preventing uh, the environmental challenges that come along with it. So Imperfect Produce uh, is a great one. Another um, company that I really like is, is uh, called Ampere Good. And they're working to find um, better ways for, you know, people like you and me, regular eaters, to donate produce uh, to food banks. Um, as you may know, in, in the United States, a lot of the food that, that is donated to food banks is, is highly processed. It's a lot of um, yes. non-perishable food. And, and what a lot of, you know, people who are relying on food banks for um so their food is what they need more of is is fresh fruits and vegetables because that's really lacking in their diet. And so Ampere Good is is finding a way to better improve the donations of, of fresh fruits and vegetables to the you know uh, food banks across the United States. So you know really exciting ways of of making sure that ugly produce is used or and and, and utilized and um, that people are are getting the healthy and, and nutritious food that they need. Nice. Imperfect Produce and Ampure Good. Let's remember those names. Now, what is Food Tank also doing to help with this issue of food waste? What are some of your initiatives? So one of the things that we, we've done is really highlight, we, you know, uh, this is one of our, our major issue areas. So we, we try to highlight uh, food loss and food waste every week on our website. We put together lists of resources for, you know, eaters and farmers uh, to, to, to become better aware of how to prevent food loss and food waste. I'll be working on a, a book over the next year with Columbia University Press that will be focused at, at reaching students and helping them understand that this is a global issue and, and sort of highlighting innovations that are working on the ground to, to, to prevent food loss and food waste around the world. So I'm really excited about that because I think it'll be a, a good resource and a chance to, again, shine a spotlight on all of the great groups that Food Tank, you know, has either partnered with or visited on the ground who are helping prevent, you know, food from going to waste. Yes. And one more reason, folks, to sign up for the Food Tank newsletter, hint, hint, you can learn about things like food waste and what you can do to help address this issue. Now, on to a slightly different topic. One of the arguments for genetically modified organisms or GMOs is that they are needed to feed the world. But in light of everything that we've discussed today regarding the amount of food that is lost through food loss and food waste... Uh, and also innovative food production that's happening. Do you buy this argument that GMOs are needed? I, I think whenever anyone says that, you know, this is the, the silver bullet, this is what's going to solve, you know, hunger and poverty around the world, you should probably be suspicious. Um, I, I think GMOs as, as a science um, and as a, you know, an, uh, an industry are very interesting. If, if you read about genetically modified organisms, they sound, you know, it, it, for a nerd like me, it sounds incredible. The technology is incredible. Um, the, 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 if you believe the hype, the potential is incredible. Right. But I, I don't buy it. I mean, from my experience on the ground, you know, again, visiting with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of farmers all over the world, GMOs have not lived up to their promises, and, and they, they had three. Um, they were supposed to increase yields. They were supposed to reduce the amount of, of uh, agrochemicals that are used on crops, and they were supposed to increase um, income for farmers. And, and on the, the yield question, um, if, if you look at a lot of the, the reports that have come out, 
yields of genetically modified crops are, are comparable to conventional crops and, and in some cases uh, a, a lot lower than both conventional and organic food production. Um, on the agrochemical side, uh, it Again, according to some of the most recent studies that have come out, uh, the use of herbicides has actually increased as a result of, of GMO production. Yes. And then on the, the farmer income side, because the, you know, GMO technology is being used for, you know, corn and, and, um, soybeans and, and sort of other starchy staple crops that aren't really going to feed people but are actually being fed to livestock. Um, they're not, you know, the, the, you're, you're putting farmers in a situation where they're they're growing the same crop that every other farmer is growing. So they're not making uh, more money because, you know, the yields aren't higher and, and they're not growing anything that, you know, uh, that is special or niche. So, I, you know, for, for me, these crops haven't lived up to their promises. They may have potential in the future, but it would be my preference if we, uh, you know, invest billions of dollars, those billions of dollars that are going into GMOs, into the things that we already know work. Um, you know, agroecological solutions that are, that are helping support communities around the globe. These, you know, whether it's agroforestry or rainwater harvesting or using cover crops, et cetera, et cetera. Let's invest in those things and make sure that they're used and spread more widely. Um, instead of, you know, sort of taking a, a gamble on whether GMOs will be, you know, that silver bullet that will save the world. Those are great points. Yes, and the one thing that we've we've looked at GMOs from several angles on this show. I've looked at it from the legal side in terms of the types of contracts that farmers need to sign, the fact that they can't use seeds from the previous year. Also looked at it from a health perspective. Uh, in terms of the herbicide that you mentioned uh, that's gone up dramatically, actually, is something called glyphosate or Roundup. And as I'm sure you're aware, the World Health Organization has called this a possible carcinogen. And so uh, not only are there limited or no benefits as of yet to GMOs, but it seems like also the astounding use of glyphosate uh, is actually harmful. So there's lots of concerns here, actually. And Absolutely. I think, yeah, I also agree with you. I'm, I'm also a science nerd. So, you know, from the scientific perspective, hey, cool. I mean, this technology, but uh, lots of questions still need to be answered about it for sure. So perhaps taking a more measured approach to this and using the precautionary principle would be a good idea. I, so, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of folks in the food movement do take that perspective that, you know, we don't just want to bash this technology and say that it's all bad, but it's more about let's take a measured approach here. Let's look into other alternatives. This, like you said, is probably not the silver bullet. Okay, so on that note, actually, we're going to get ready for our next break Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We really appreciate it. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm talking to president of nonprofit Food Tank, Danielle Nirenberg. And we will see you on the flip side. We're going to talk about some summits that are coming up with Food Tank and some final thoughts from Danielle. Thanks again, and we'll see you in a few. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. It's here, announcing the launch of a new health and wellness community called whole-treatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. 
GMOs or genetically modified organisms are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms, and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice. Much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Leadership is a destination, but how do you get there? More importantly, how do you maximize your power and influence and develop more leaders in your organization? Learn from proven leaders and proven practices. Join Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler for Leadership Development News. This program will help you develop the next leaders in your organization, balance your work life, manage your boss, and manage yourself. We'll feature cutting-edge interviews with industry experts and authors. Leadership Development News, every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you again for joining us. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and my guest today is sustainable farming expert and president of nonprofit Food Tank, Danielle Nirenberg. Danielle, up to this point, has provided a great deal of enlightening information regarding the role that family farms and women farmers will play on taking back our food system and making it work for ourselves and our community. And we also talked about the issue of food waste and what we can do to decrease that. Now, Danielle, as we get ready to wrap up, I'd like to ask you about your observations regarding the food movement, which seems to be picking up steam as more people become aware of the importance of nutritious food on their health and on our communities. So what positive changes have you seen over the past several years, both in the United States and around the world, since you travel so much? Well, one interesting thing that I've seen, um, especially in the developing world, is sort of this resurgence of indigenous and traditional crops. You know, for a long time, uh, particularly in in sub-Saharan Africa, these crops were considered poor people's food or even weeds. Um, But now you see this sort of... um, uh, return to these traditional crops, and I think it's it's for many reasons. One, you have a, a growing middle class in, in many parts of the developing world who sort of crave, as as urban residents, a taste of home, and they they want to eat the things that their grandparents did. So you see a growing market for some of these traditional foods, 
And then you, you know, as a result of climate change, which is, you know, uh, very real uh, for farmers in the developing world and something that they have to deal with every day, a lot of these indigenous crops tend to be more resilient. You know, they don't need as much water. Um, they don't need as, as, you know, as many inputs as, as a hybrid or, or conventional crops. So, you know, you see sort of uh, more interest in them from the funding and donor communities because they will ultimately, you know, be able to sort of face uh, the, the perils of climate change better than, uh, you know, our, our other crops. Um, at the same time, I, I really see more focus on the idea of nutrient density. You know, for so long, the focus has been yields and calories. And while, you know, that continues to be the case for for um, a lot of the investment in, in agricultural development, you also see sort of this growing interest in, in growing more nutrient-dense crops. So, you know, indigenous crops can play a role as part of that, but also perennial crops and, and cover crops that can also be uh, a source of food for humans. So, you know, uh, more nutrient-dense foods like uh, eggs and, and um traditional livestock uh, products that can really help, you know, communities eat better and, and make more money. Um, so I, I think those are two things that I'm really excited about. W- one thing about sort of the American food movement, you know, that I've sort of been observing for the last 15 years is that it, it continues to be very sort of inward focused. Um, you have a, a, a class of, of people who, you know, can shop at farmer's markets or join CSAs because they have disposable income and, and they want to eat better. They want to, you know, sort of brag about the, the crazy vegetables that they bought at the farmer's market. <laughs> they want to feel better because they're, you know, buying or growing food that's um, not produced with chemicals. And, and what I'd really like to see and what I think there's huge potential for is breaking out of that sort of selfish me, me, me focus on food and using that, that interest and that momentum to, you know, really change the food system both nationally and, and internationally. And I, I hope that we can, you know, we have this moment in time where everyone's obsessed with food. How can we use it for the greater good? And so that's a question I would ask, you know, your, your listeners. How can we sort of mobilize this, this continued interest in the food system to really make positive change? That's a great point. And for folks to just stay informed about what's going on, being involved with Food Tank is a great thing to do. So can you let us know where to find you on the web and social media and any upcoming events or summits? Sure. So foodtank.com is is our website. Folks can sign up for the newsletter. They can also email me at danielle at foodtank.com. Um, we can be found on Twitter at food underscore tank. Um, my personal uh, Twitter account is at Danny Nierenberg. We're on Facebook. We're on Pinterest. We're on Tumblr. We're really easy to find. So I hope people will, will take the opportunity to connect with us. Let us know, you know, what they think. Give us their suggestions. Let us know what we're doing wrong, what we can do better. We really appreciate and value that feedback because, again, you know, Food Tank is about creating dialogue. We're, we're not claiming that we're always right. We want to make a conversation about these issues really happen with, with our readers. Um, so the, the more feedback that we get, the better. Next year, 2016, we'll be having three summits uh, across the United States. Uh, this year, in, uh, we collaborated with the George Washington University uh, in Washington, D.C. to have the first annual food tank summit, which was really successful. You know, we had, um, we sold out within minutes of, of really um, announcing the event. We had a waiting list of 1,500 people. So this year we're, we're trying to expand the summit to different parts of the country to reach different audiences, really involve more farmers and business leaders and policymakers. So we'll be uh, doing a, a summit in D.C. as well as Chicago and Sacramento where we're partnering with a lot, you know, different universities, um, uh, other nonprofit organizations to really, uh, again, create that platform and that conversation that is needed to really improve the food system for the better. Wonderful. Now, can you tell us what your goals may be for the next five years? What do you hope well, to see Food Tank do? 
I, I mean, I, we want to continue uh, and grow what we've what we've been able to do with this platform, but we also want to really expand how we're doing it. One of my sort of dream projects is to have a Johnny Appleseed Fund where we're able to support many of the projects that we highlight on our website because I've been so, um, you know, uh, for lack of a better word, blessed to, to visit uh so many different projects across the globe. There are so many that deserve uh, a lot more attention and investment. And if Food Chain can help them reach their goals with, you know, startup money or, uh, you know, additional funding to do different projects, that would be, I think, a great role for us. And and also, you know, to, to really um, make sure that we're creating uh, the dialogue with more webinars, more events, more more places to have that continuing conversation. So really, you know, over the five, next five years, expect more more research and content from us, but also expect more conversation where we're asking our our readers and our listeners what they want to hear, who they want to hear it from, and and how they can make a difference in the food system. So more action will be coming from Food Tank in the future, and and, and ways to get involved. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us today. We're about ready to wrap up here. So, Danielle, you're doing wonderful, important work on behalf of all of us. So thank you very much for everything that you're doing and for joining us. And we wish Food Tank all the best as you continue to grow. Oh, thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. You are so welcome. And thanks, everyone, for joining us today for this conversation with Danielle. I hope you had as much fun as I did learning about all this information. And we will see you next week, same time, same place. Our guest will be acupuncturist Terry Fox, who is an expert in cosmetic acupuncture, which is actually much more than skin deep. If you wish to learn how to relax, regenerate, and radiate from the inside out, then this is a great show for you. And in the meantime, please follow my company, WCubed, on Facebook. You can connect with me on Twitter, at Sandra G. Malhotra, and check out all of our activities at www.wcubedcommunity.com. Thank you so much for joining us again. Namaste. Thank you for tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Please join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. In the coming week, think of the changes that you could make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 